0: Great worship tonight, thank you all. Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to be looking at verse 6 through verse 18 tonight. But before we dive into those verses, I want to, by way of introduction, share something very significant that Paul was teaching the Ephesians. And that was that they, human beings, could literally be the image bearers of God. They could literally reflect and and imitate God. And this was totally foreign in those days. Totally a foreign concept in that culture. Remember, the city of Ephesus was the place where the great temple of Diana was found. It was one of the... Wonders of the ancient world. People back then thought that gods, if there were gods, that gods were only seen in magnificent temples. That gods were only reflected in great edifices and structures. That's how their gods were seen. And now Paul comes along with this new Christian teaching, basically saying, no, you and I as human beings, we can literally bear the image of God we can literally carry the image of God we can reflect God to others others can see God in us not in a building but in us as flesh and blood human beings can you imagine how that just blew people away back then and even today I think even for some of us as Christians sometimes like you know God is in church and and so many people think well Church is the building. No, church is us. We are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. And God is seen in us. He's seen in every one of you. People see God in you. And that's just a crazy thing that Paul's expounding on here. He wants to remind all of us that's our identity. Not that people see God in a building, but that people see God in and through us. Which is why he's exhorted them, first of all, last week in chapter 5, verse 2, to live in love. But then we're going to see tonight, he also tells us in verse 8 of chapter 5, to live in light. And then verse 15 of chapter 5, to live as wise. It is by doing these things that people see God in and through our lives. When they see us loving as God loves us, that's how God can be seen in our lives. And tonight, we are to live as the light of God. Notice what he says in verse 8 of chapter 5. He tells the Ephesians, you were at one time darkness. Not in darkness. You were darkness. Your life was dark. But he says, now, through your relationship with Christ, you are light in the Lord. Did you get that? That's who we are. That's why I said at the very beginning before our worship, God wants us to learn to be who we are. Who are we? We're light in the Lord. And so we are to be light. And we're going to find out what that means, but let's not forget the words of The Lord, in the Gospel of Matthew, he says to his followers, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. He says, do people light a light in a house and put it under a basket? No, he says, they put the light on a stand so that everyone in the house can benefit from the light. So he says, you, let your light so shine so that people will see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You are light. We are light. Therefore, he says in verse 8, walk as children of the light. Be who you are. It doesn't matter if the devil tells you you're not light. It doesn't matter if others tell you you're not light. It doesn't matter if you tell yourself you're not light. Get rid of those lies and those falsehoods and those untruths and realize that we are light in the Lord. Let's start being light because we are. Be who we are. See? Well, what's that look like, if you will? Well, notice in verse 9, he says, Living as light will be characterized, first of all, by three things. The fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Let's stop and talk about each of these because this begins to describe for us what it means to live as light. Goodness. Goodness simply means I live my life seeking to be a blessing to others that's what goodness is seeking to be a blessing to others that's being good if you will righteousness that is seeking to be a blessing to God because righteousness is all about aligning my life with God doing what is right if you will not in other people's sight, not in my own sight, but in God's sight, being right in God. So you and I are light when we are doing good, which is why the Bible encourages us to do good at all times, and to live righteously. And then one more, truth. You and I are light when we are true. Uh, the best way to describe this concept of truth here is to think of the word integrated. Uh, I'll throw out a couple other words, a word that comes from that, integrity, uh, transparency, uh, being real. In other words, being light is being true. It, it is being the same thing everywhere. It is being the same thing kind of person to everyone I'm not one person at church and then another person at home I'm not one person at work and another person with this group over here I'm true to who I am and I'm transparent and I'm real I'm not a pretender I'm not a fake I'm not just trying to keep up appearances this is who I really am in the Lord, and I'm that way everywhere I go and with everyone I come in contact with. That's being true. And God says, when you and I live that way, we are being light. Because, and we'll get to this in just a moment, we're not hiding anything or hiding behind anything. Because again, then that's not light, that's darkness. Then he goes on in verse 10 to say, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. This is is a hard one to understand in the English translation. Basically what Paul is saying is, and when you and I start to live as light, the will of God and trying to please the Lord is going to test us. It's going to test us. Because as we step out into God's light, we're going to know what pleases the Lord, but we're going to be still tested by do I know what, do I do what pleases the Lord, or do I do what pleases me, or what pleases somebody else? We're tested there in that moment. Then he says this living as light means not participating in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but rather exposing them. This word expose doesn't mean what normally we think of when we think of somebody or something being exposed. What this word means is to convince others with compelling evidence that God's way of living is better than the way they're living. In other words that God's way of living in light, as light, is better than your way of darkness. And I'm going to, by the way I live my life, give you compelling evidence that my way's better. Technically, it's not our way, it's God's way, you see. And that we're giving people convincing evidence so that they go, as they look at our lives, they go, man, their way of living is better than the way I'm choosing to live my life. You know, they have joy, they have peace, they have love. They're able to have self-control. They have hope. You know, they they look at our lives as light. They're living in love. And, And they're like, we're creating, if you will, by being light, hopefully, a thirst, a want from the others to come out of the darkness and come into the light that's what it means to expose them it doesn't mean to try to you know shine a light on all the dastardly deeds that others are doing in order to expose them as we might say it simply means live our lives as light and by the way we live we will give evidence compelling evidence that shows that God's way of living the way he's teaching us to live as light is better than the way they're choosing to live. That light is better than darkness. That's why he goes on to say that things they do in secret are shameful even to mention, but all things being exposed by the light are made evident. In other words, as you and I live as light, we then allow a comparison and contrast with darkness. If you and I don't live as light, then there can be no comparison and contrasting going on. But the minute you and I live as light, then obviously as we are against darkness, people can start to see the difference, the distinction as we've talked about. But if you and I don't be light, then they cannot see the contrast as clearly. They they cannot compare the lifestyle of those living in darkness with those living in light as as evidently, if you will. And then he says in verse 14, for everything made evident is light. It is seen for what it really is, is what Paul's saying there. So for this reason, two more things. So let me review, though, because I know I've sort of thrown a lot at you. Paul is telling the Ephesians, you are the image bearers of God, not the temple of Diana, not some great temple, not some edifice, not some building. You are the image of God. You are to reflect God. You are to imitate God. And here's one of the ways to do that. Live as light. Be who you are in the Lord. How do we do that? Goodness, righteousness, truth. And then being one that lives in such a way that we give evidence that the way of light is better than the way of darkness. But there's two more here before we move on to living as wise. Verse 14, for this reason... The scriptures say, awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. The next way to live his light is to wake up from our slumber, to wake up from our sleep, to wake up from our apathy and our indifference and and being sort of asleep at the wheel as Christians and realizing that, again, the days in which we live, we can't afford as the church of Jesus Christ to be asleep. We can't afford as Christians To be asleep, we have got to be fully alert and awake. It's why Jesus, many times throughout the Gospels, told his followers, watch, stay alert, be on guard. You know, don't don't get caught off guard. Be aware of what's going on around you and the days in which you live. Be aware of your own life. We're going to get to that in just a moment. But that's what it means, to wake up. It's not physically waking up from sleep. It's, in a sense, waking spiritually, you see. And again, not becoming so apathetic and lethargic and indifferent when it comes to to God and to going after God and pursuing God and spiritual things and ministry and all of these things. Worship, prayer, getting into the Word. The Bible talks a lot about laziness, being diligent. This would all apply here to awake, O sleeper, and then the final thing, to live as light, rise from the dead. (laughs) Simply, the word rise means stand up and step up. In other words, God, I think, is exhorting us through the Apostle Paul here, quit hiding. Quit living in the shadows You are light, so don't hide your light. Step up and step out. Let people see it. Because the only way that we are effective as light is not to, as Jesus said, to hide it, but to step out and be the light that God calls us to be. And yet we all struggle with that at times. Well, if I do what God's leading me to do, what are others going to think? What are others going to say? How are they going to view me? So many times we're like the turtle that retreats back into our shell rather than just stepping out and standing up and all of that and being who God created us to be. And can I say, even now as we go through this worship series, that's part of the dynamic even in, in, in our worship. That so many times people are like, well, I'm, I'm afraid to sing out because I don't have maybe the greatest voice. Can I tell you, I don't care whether you have a greatest voice and neither does God. Sing out! Maybe that's why the Bible says make a joyful noise. Not everybody maybe can, you know, sing on key or on pitch. It doesn't matter. It, it's, again, our worship is not a matter of our voices. It's a matter of our heart. And then there might be some who's like, well, I, you know, I, I want to raise my hand, but what are people going to think around me? Or maybe I want to really get radical, you know, and fall on my knees or you know, lift both hands or, or say amen or something like that. But no, I, you know, here's what Paul's saying. Rise from the dead. Stand up, step out, be light. Let others see. Will there be people that, yeah, maybe criticize or talk or whatever? Yeah, there's always going to be those people. But again, God is saying, you be who I want you to be. Don't worry about what others think. Don't worry about what the devil's telling you because the devil always wants us to hide. The devil always wants us to stay as God's light in the shadows so that our light doesn't shine, so nobody can see it, so nobody can benefit from it. God is saying, step up, rise from the dead. And then he says this, and Christ will shine on you. Two things there. One, when you and I have the faith, to rise from the dead and stand up and step out, first of all, Christ will illuminate us. It means he will give us even greater illumination into him, into his word, into his thoughts, into his mind, and all of these things. Christ will bring greater illumination into our lives when he sees by faith we are willing to stand up and step out. But the other thing is this, Christ will also... Himself light up our life. In other words, He, we won't need to try to, you know, put ourselves out there as many Christians try to do. You won't need to do that when you and I are living the way the Lord wants us to live as light. Christ Himself said, I'll shine on you. I will put you like that city on the hill so that when I see that you are willing to awake from your sleep and rise from the dead, I literally will light you up. I will will bring others to your light, not so they can be brought to you, you know, we understand, but so they can be brought to me. So that they can see that light, be drawn to your light, but then find the one who's lighting us up And who's behind it all, which is Christ, the light of the world? It's an amazing verse. Christ will literally shine on us. It's like he will put his heavenly spotlight on our lives so that others can see us as light and be drawn to the light that Jesus is shining on us. What an amazing concept. So, Paul is encouraging us here be who we are, we are light. In the Lord. Second, he says, beginning in verse 15, live as wise. Live as wise. Therefore, be very careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. And just like with light, we are told, and I don't have time to go into all this tonight, and I wasn't even planning on it, but if you want sort of further study or to look at this, read the first couple of chapters of 1 Corinthians, in those chapters, Paul is telling the Corinthians, you realize that you are wise, which is why he sort of scolds them for even you know, not having enough you know, wise people in the church to settle disputes between each other, that they're going to, to you know, judges outside of the church to try to settle things, because he says, you all have the wisdom of God. How do we know that? Because Paul says in chapter 2, you have the Spirit of God living in you. You have God himself living inside of you. And because of that, then in chapter 2, verse 16, I believe, of 1 Corinthians, he says, you as Christians, you have, blow this away, the mind of Christ. You and I, we have, because of the presence of the Holy Spirit in us, the mind of Christ, which means we're not only light in the Lord, we are wise. So many Christians think, oh, I, you know, you, oh, I, you know I'm, I'm not this and I haven't studied the Bible very much and, and, and you know, I've not been to Bible college or seminary like you, Pastor Jeff, and, and all this kind of stuff. Listen, if you have the Holy Spirit in you, you have the potential to be as wise as anyone else because if you and I just listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit every day, we'll be as wise as we need to be. Because it's through the Holy Spirit that Paul says to the Corinthians, you have the mind of Christ. Now obviously too, the Holy Spirit is our teacher of the Scriptures. But the very presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, if we just listen to Him, He will make us wise. And we can be who we are, which is wise. So real quickly tonight... And then we're going to pick it up in verse 19 next week and then flow into the rest of chapter 5 into the beginning verses of chapter 6 because that's all about our homes and even our workplace. I want you to see four ways that give evidence that we are living as wise that Paul talks about here in verses 15, 16, 17, and 18. Four ways that give evidence that we are living as wise. The first one is in verse 15. Caring how we live. Did you notice that there? He says, therefore, be very careful how you live. The wise care about how they live. You think, well, doesn't everybody care about how they live? No. You mean every Christian doesn't care about how they live? No. They don't. Or else they wouldn't say the things they do and do the things they do and all of that. No. They don't care. And sometimes, can I just say it, it's not maybe even an idea of caring as much as it is. They just just sort of ram through life and they don't even stop long enough to even pause and think about how they're living, which is really sort of the same thing. Because if we care about something, we're going to give it some thought every once in a while. And so Paul says, listen, a wise person is somebody that cares about how they live, you see. Secondly, verse 16, living as wise means we make the most of the time God gives us on this earth. Taking advantage of every opportunity because the days are evil. Seizing the opportunities when God gives us. It doesn't mean we never take a day off. It doesn't mean we never rest. God created the Sabbath as a model for, look, we've got to have some downtime. It's not running yourself into the ground But making the most of our time is simply using our time wisely. Investing in the things that really matter. Having priorities so that our life reflects what really is going to count, what really is going to matter a bazillion years from now and not just live for worldly things and temporal things and all of that, but to really invest our lives in the things that really hit the mark, so to speak. That's just as much making the most of our time as, you know working around the clock because we can't do that anyway I love that he says you realize the days are evil in other words part of why it behooves us as God followers to live wisely and make the most of our time is because the enemy never takes a day off evil doesn't take a day off evil doesn't stop working you see Darkness doesn't retreat. Darkness keeps trying to swallow more and more and more up, which is why we not only have to live as light, but why we have to live as wise. Third, verse 17, understanding, and can I add to this, doing the Lord's will. For this reason, do not be foolish. A foolish person, according to Paul here, would be one who does not understand or know what the Lord's will is. And obviously, too, the implication is, does it? Because it does no good to know the Lord's will if I'm not doing it. Living as wise is knowing what God's will is for me at this moment, or even as Nicole pointed out, in this season. Whatever God has for us in this season, in this day, Lord, whatever your will is, I know it now, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to follow through with it. Again, whether it's through the leading of the Holy Spirit, through however, Lord, you're speaking to me, I know now what you want me to do, and I'm going to follow through with it and do it. And can I say this, too? In fact, we talked about this. Mike and Dave are here tonight, so they'll verify this in the elder meeting last night. We were talking about how it is so... Good. (laughs) I'm not thinking of the right word. It's so good and and we need to stop and and really be thankful that we all, and I mean we corporately, are part of a church where all of us feel the freedom that when the Holy Spirit is moving or speaking to us or whatever, we do it. And it's not that we don't have a plan. It's not that maybe we don't have an outline or or something, a sketch of what we're what we think God wants us, where he wants us to go. But at any time, during Wednesday night, during Sunday, whatever, we're together, that if we feel the Holy Spirit is saying, no, I want you to do do this, that, that our leaders and our people, I hope we always feel like, you know what? I thought I was going this way, but now the Spirit wants me to go this way. And that we would go that way. And Sunday... Sunday's service was a great example of that because Tony was sharing with us last night at the elder meeting that literally God had him up all Saturday night laying on his heart what he shared with us on Sunday. And basically Tony was like, I know I'm the elder up on Sunday, you know, introducing everything and welcoming everybody. And he says, I just knew that the Spirit of God wanted me to share about that on Sunday. So he said, I had to do it. And I'm so thankful that he didn't have to come to me as the pastor and ask permission to do that he knew that would be okay. And then Nicole, you know, she just said, I just really felt like the Spirit wanted me to speak these words and, and share this and, and basically even give a, a, a gospel mini-message and give an invitation right there, right then. So cool, because why? Because that's evidence that we're just open to whatever the Spirit wants at any time. And to be a part of a church like that where we, yes, we plan and, and we prepare, and we do our due diligence, but where all of us are just open, it's like, because maybe you haven't, you know, ever known this, but there are times on Wednesdays and Sundays where I think I'm going this way, and all of a sudden the Spirit goes, no, Jeff, I want you to go this way. And I change direction, and you might not know it, but I know it. It wasn't anything like I was planned or prepared for, but that's where the Spirit wanted me to go. But we all need to live that way. And in a sense, we all need to, in our own way, be comfortable with that. That again, we do what we can do, but then we know that the Holy Spirit's going to want to show up at times and just start saying, taking us another direction. And it's okay to do that. I love that I'm part of a church like that. Because that means that God is here and God's going to continue to manifest himself here. Why? Because God knows I've got pliable people here who are going to hear my voice and they're going to do what I'm telling them to do even at the last moment. That's so important. Oh, sorry. I guess that leads to the one final thing I wanted to share tonight, which... (laughs) Verse 18. What's the other evidence of living as wise? Well, not just caring about how we live and and making the most of our time and understanding and doing what the Lord's will is, it is being filled by the Spirit. Do not get drunk with wine, which is debauchery, but be filled by the Spirit. Now, next week, we're going to pick it up there and talk about the evidences of being filled with the Spirit. But let me just say this. Why is it so wise to be filled with the Spirit? Well, the, the concept of being filled with the Spirit is, is literally to allow the Spirit to have the primary influence in our life. It's a word that speaks about control. That's why Paul contrasts being filled with the Spirit with alcohol. Because when you and I especially drink more alcohol than, than we should, uh, our behavior is affected by the influence of the alcohol. And Paul is saying to the Ephesians who knew very well about that too, he says, instead of being Affected by an outside influence like alcohol, you need to primarily be influenced by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. You need to let Him take control of your life. And to God, that is living very wisely. Not living on our own, not living by ourselves, not trying to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps and do this without God. It's actually living every day in dependence and reliance on the Holy Spirit who lives within me and saying, Holy Spirit, you are inside of me, you guide me, you lead me, you teach me, you control me. I'm leaving it up to you, God. That's living wisely. That's living wisely. Being filled with the Spirit. So Paul here, in this unbelievable passage, is reminding us again, each and every one of us here tonight, forget about the Ephesians 2,000 years ago, they're all dead now, okay? Okay? Let's talk about us. God is not manifesting himself in the way we think in this building. Yes, his presence is here, and he's moving here, and we sense him here, but God is doing that because he wants to do a work in our lives because this isn't the temple of God. You and I are the temple of God now. And God wants us to understand that we are his image bearers we now go out into the world and everywhere we go, we are to reflect God. Not a building reflects God, which is why we don't get caught up on you know, building some magnificent edifice that looks great from the outside like some religions do <clears throat> very closely to us because it's not about how the building wows and woos people. I mean... We all know that even from the Israelites, even in Jesus' day. I'm just, I'm sort of studying ahead for Christmas already. And and then I I got into some prophecy, and it just blew the disciples' minds when Jesus looked at the magnificent temple of Herod and said, you realize, guys, God's going to destroy this. And they're like, wait a minute. Isn't that where the presence of God is? Isn't that where we meet with God? What do you mean God's going to destroy his temple? Because at that time, it wasn't about manifesting himself in a building anymore. That wasn't primarily where God was going to meet with his people. He was going to meet with us now inside of our temple. And Paul is saying to all of us, let's be who we are. Who are we? We're love." So let's live in love. We are light, so let's live as light. We are wise because we have the mind of Christ through the presence of the Holy Spirit, so let's live as wise every day. And as we do, the light of Christ will light us up. He will draw people to himself through our light and through our lives. And there will be no better way to live than following the Lord. Let's pray. God, we thank you tonight for these great truths and these great reminders, God. And I pray tonight, Lord, that again, especially in this place, especially, Lord, here where your people come to hear truth and to sing truth and to worship you and to meet with you, that all lies all things that are not true, all falsehood, everything that is not of you, God, would be kept out of this place. And only what comes from you, God, only what is true would be heard and sung and taught and spoken, Lord, out in this place so that your people could truly be set free so that we could truly be love and light and wise as you've created us and saved us to be. God, help us not allow the lies of others, the lies we tell ourselves, and even the lies of our spiritual enemy, the devil, to define us, God. But may you alone, God, define us and speak your truth over us each and every day. And may we listen to your voice every day before we start our day, during the day, and even as we go through the day and as we end the day, may we continually be filled with your Spirit, God. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you on Sunday.